So can you hear me now? Yeah, absolutely. Can you hear me now? Hey, can I you can hear, hear me now? Are you going to start singing? <laughs> Take away the biggest part of me. Hey, so uh, my camera... No. Yeah, you can switch it off though. We don't need it. Yeah. It's yeah. So how's it going? Is Fritz here? Fritz is uh, Fritz for some reason has uh, muted himself. Mm. Fritz, Fritz, Fritz. Yes, can you hear me, guys? Yeah, man. Yeah. Hello, 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 hello. Are you here? Hello, hello. Namaste, namaste. Oh, okay, that sounds really. Ravi, stop it! It's too much stuff to edit for Zach. We need to behave now. No, yeah, no, but no. now. So it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I'm trying to. I'm trying, where's the? Uh, mate, I, so I'm trying to find the. Um, Record button. On uh, the topic list. There you go. That's where it is. All right. Yeah. No record. I've already got the record button going. But I didn't. I send you guys like a list of um, topics. Yes, you uh, did. Yeah. But did I send it to you by email or did I did I have it in? Uh, in WhatsApp was it? Yeah, it was WhatsApp. Was it? Yeah. Can't believe it! It's so technologically backward that I am. Um, all right, I, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna leave this in, by the way, because it's just entertaining to have this our random chat stuff uh, up. But um, all right, let, let me do some introductions. So first of all, we've got Vlad, who is Mr. Beautiful from Colombia, because mate, you've just got you're just fantastic. That 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 the hair, the look, the the style, the charisma. Um, that's just, uh, yeah, you are one in a million, Vlad, I think. Um, and I think you're probably also the only um, South American with a Russian name. Yeah, could be, could be. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, actually, there's quite a lot of Vladimir's in Colombia. But, uh, yeah, and also in Cuba, you know, because really? of the uh, influence yeah. of the Cold War. And then it depends, um, yeah, on the, let's say, political vision of your parents. If they were like a... Communists, and they put the, your name like Vladimir or Ivan or Sergei or something like this, okay. and they'll, the the more capitalist guys were done calling the 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 sons uh, Michael and so on. Okay, so all right, now we know the political orientation of your parents. That's cool. It's always nice to have this background information, Vlad. Um, on top of that, we've also got Fritz, who is almost as German as I am. Fritz. Hello, my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, Fritz, it's always good to have you here. Um, you're a good sport. You you also know as many uh, cheeky English comment or terms as I do, um, and that that's always great to hear too. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. So just to just to give us a bit of background, so I met uh, Fritz about what seven? Yeah, we started already. It's all right. You can talk. Don't worry, Vlad. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just feel free to jump in. Um, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I got to know Fritz about seven or eight years ago when Fritz worked for a very sort of traditional recruiting company. Um, and then after that, we we stayed friends, we stayed in touch, um, and then we reacquainted ourselves when, as in, on a more, uh, should we say, a continuous basis, when Fritz started working with a, a, a startup in Berlin. Um, as part of the HR department, uh, and when I when I joined up there, I also had the immense pleasure of meeting uh, not only Fritz on a regular basis, but also Vlad, 
um, with whom by our second meeting, we were already on hugging terms. Right, Vlad? Yeah. Yeah, which is always good. You know, a hug is better than a handshake. It's, uh, I think it's the, um, uh, the common terminology. Not anymore. Not anymore, of course. <laughs> but, but, it, but it used to be. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys are both recruitment specialists. So anything that I know about recruitment, I've obviously learned from somebody else. Um, and but but it's really interesting because the first thing I'd like to ask um, with regards to recruitment and then we'll come back as well, because I also want to hear your your thoughts on a lot of number of other topics, too. But um, the first thing I want to ask is why in the company, the startup that where we all met together, you were called people and culture and not human resources. Vladi, you want to take that? No, you can do it. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so basically, the um, I had the very same uh, the very same question back when I when I joined um, the, um, the company I'm currently working for, and um, the reason for that is, or at least how I perceived it, is that we don't see our colleagues or the employees as human resources or resources in, in that sense, but rather as um, individuals, as human beings. And therefore, we rather see them as people and not as a resource. This is how I understood it, at least. I don't know if you have a different uh, impression, Vladi. No, no, I totally agree with you. So maybe um, in addition to this, I think the, um, let's say, the understanding of human resources or the, the people within the company that are taking care of the culture, the people, the, the people's performance and so on, has evolved into a very different new role compared to what it used to be like 15 or 20 years ago. So my, my first experience working for HR was actually many years ago as I didn't even know what was all about it. So it was after finishing school, I decided to, to do something like a professional training it was only two years uh, long, and I was working for the human resources department of a very big um, pharma company. And and yeah, now it's something very different. So now the, the culture is, uh, is very crucial. You are really taking care also um, about the business. So I would say that now our main task, if you want to put it in just one sentence, is to convert all the business strategy into people's strategy. And that's maybe one of the reasons why the, the name also changed. Mm. Yes, and furthermore, I believe um, it's more of an employee-driven uh, labor market. And that, all, that also, I think, contributes to the change and how, uh, yeah, for startups, but later on, hopefully, also big corporations see um, their employees. So they're just not, yeah, not only resources, but human beings with uh, with needs, and and um, therefore um, you can't simply hire someone by telling him, okay, we are that big company, and therefore you, I, I, I assume you want to work for us. You need to present like a, a specific culture to um, to the uh, applicants or to the people you are intending to hire, and um, people. They have a, a stronger focus on where they want to work. They want to ad identify themselves with a specific culture. And 
I think this also contributes to the change in, 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 in labeling this department or that, that team. Mm. Um, I should also just point out that uh, for the benefit of the people who are listening to this, that uh, Vlad and I are both in Berlin and that's why the communication is so clear. Uh, whereas Fritz is currently at the Bayern Munich training camp. Um, and <laughs> Guys, we need to hurry up. I want to see the match. <laughs> what, why? <laughs> we know the result anyway. It's not going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's not well. going to happen. That's your take on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, okay, you quote me on it. Go on in. I don't think Bayern's going to get through. But anyway, um, yeah, we, we will come to this later. It's only fair to to talk about football because I know how much Vlad loves it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay. So because for me, it was really cool. This thing about culture is extremely important. I think it's fascinating. Uh, it's a topic which I love. Uh, I'm I'm. I'm driven essentially by this pursuit of understanding more and more about different cultures, different ways of seeing things, you know, learning about how different people approach similar topics. So, you know, when the first time you you introduced me, oh, you know, this is from our people and culture team, you know, I was really inspired by the name uh, and, and it basically told me about how, um, how cool uh, a mood, an atmosphere uh, there was at the company. Um, now, obviously, things have been a bit difficult since the beginning of Corona. We don't necessarily have to go into the details of the impact that Corona has had. But if we simply look at the the initial atmosphere within the company, um, surely you look back at those days and you're, you feel a certain warmth, don't you, in, in how well everybody seemed to um socialize how they used to come together how there was a real sort of sense of a team yeah absolutely i mean um even nowadays i mean maybe for the listeners it's important to know that we had to let go a majority of our employees nevertheless um, i am still in touch with most of them and um, the majority of them ask me, should you ever start to grow again? Please let me know. I would love to come back. Um, we brought back a few employees which we needed. And um, I mean, this is basically a sign for uh, that the people in culture department has done something right. Otherwise, people wouldn't uh, be motivated to come back um, and work for us again. And this is exactly the point we are talking about uh, beforehand, that people have a precise look on what kind of culture they then might work in uh, once they apply at the company. And, and if they don't, if they don't like the culture, they're more likely to yeah, give notice and leave. And uh, since we are talking about recruiting, recruiting is one very important topic, but retention is even more important because you can recruit as many new employees as you want. You also need like a base of, of employees staying and, uh, staying with you and developing together with you the culture and the company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would almost compare it with uh, kind of sales where, you know, there are companies who operate simply on generating new sales and there are other companies that generate on, you know, basically keeping hold of existing company uh, customers uh, where they try to develop a relationship with the customers because they feel that the success of the business is in the longevity. Um, and and in, in this case, perhaps there is a similarity in that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, until a certain degree, it's 
definitely cheaper to keep your current employees and develop them and invest in them. At one point, um, I believe it can be beneficial for both sides if they go separate ways and you hire a more junior person who can do the same job but is less expensive. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I was and I still am always a fan of developing people and uh, yeah, helping them, supporting them to become better and learn new things and therefore uh, it's then beneficial for the, co for the company as well. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely true, and also maybe um, important to uh, to remark that even if you if you are having a very healthy uh, company in terms of finance and so on, in Germany the average right now is about 3.5 years that people are changing positions or are changing the company. So that's a thing that they, um, even that you know that people are going to leave at some point, you have to invest quite a lot uh, in the culture and in the people itself. And I can tell you from my experience, so I was one of the guys who live um, some, and and then I was still like learning quite a lot and I took quite a lot for my for my career. And now there's, um, yeah, I would say many things that they, while I'm doing, I'm very thankful to that, um, to that uh, all, uh, let's say, um, training that we had that wasn't training like a, okay, like a class at university, but it's just like a, the culture, something that you know to do, how to, to become more efficient and how to become better, just say, uh, living a very nice uh, company culture. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Vlad, how is it now where you are? Um, okay, obviously, we have to factor in that Corona has heavily changed the way that perhaps you would interact with people, or at least limited this severely. Um, but you, you're still acquainted intimately um, with the people you work with, uh, you yeah. communicate with them regularly. Um, yeah, how, is the, how is the atmosphere there? Is there a similar drive towards creating a culture or is it more sort of um, operational? No, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm really happy uh, where, where I am now. So um, I'm working now for a deep tech startup. So actually, I would say the greatest deep tech startup in, in the world. So what we are doing is really crazy. So the only thing that they possible to, to, to say to continue doing crazy things that people are happy and they really love what they do. And, and that's why we are, for example, we are just now um, around 20, 22 people. And that's why they decide to hire at that point already someone who take care of all the people and culture, uh, people and culture topics. So it's a, it's for sure also a, a, let's say the main interest of the um, of the um, founders. Let's say maybe just one big difference, and that's also different for the culture. I would say, well, you have many kind of uh, of founders, and they are uh, let's say all great if they are really interested in, 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 in the people and in the culture. But I would say I differentiate between two different type of founders, the founders that are really like a business driven, that they really know how to run a business and they really they they are not not that product focused, they are more business um, um, focused. And in the case where I am working now, they are really like product focused. They really love what they are doing. This deep tech stuff that I really don't understand. I don't. I have no clue about what they are really doing with the product. It's about the smooth particle hydrodynamics, and and that's a very different. And then you see also the impact that it has in the in in the culture. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you mentioned once, I think, in, uh, in when we were speaking the last time about the uh, the work that they do, and it completely flew over my head. I mean, today or yesterday, some news came out from the, the USA, USA research that they were doing about uh, you know subparticle physics, and they believe they may have found like a, a fourth, or, sorry, a fifth. Um, basis for um, energy. Um, but anyway, I have no idea. It's a completely interesting uh, subject area. Maybe it's something that um, uh, yeah, some of your colleagues would also be interested in. So, um, you know, I find it fascinating the way that they uh, push forward uh, these kind of products. But um, you, you do raise some very uh, interesting points because it's, you know, there is the name of this podcast is Startup and Whiskey. Um, and so, yeah, the whiskey element is obviously quite clear um, the, where the inspiration for that comes from. Uh, however, the startup scene is because essentially, this, you know, Berlin is almost, how would you say, um, I mean, any new innovation, would you say it's startup driven? Because even the large companies, they all have these little spin off startups or they're investing in startups. Um, Fritz, do you see it that way as well? Do, do you think that... Um, uh, startups are driving innovation in Berlin? Um, yeah, I perfectly agree. Uh, I think um, the reason for that, is, uh, for that is that when that all started roughly 15 years ago, that um, Berlin was kind of um, on, on the look for, for its own identity and um, it was cheap to live here. It was kind of a liberal and free space that might have attracted um, young uh, innovative founders to come to Berlin. Nowadays, you have a lot of those huge VC companies, so that venture capitalist companies who invest in startups. You have a lot of founders here, and therefore a lot of workforce here. And this all together is a very attractive place for um, yeah new ideas and, and creative uh, teams. And, and therefore, I believe Berlin has basically emerged as one of the startup hubs or startup capitals, uh, definitely in Germany, if not in, in Europe as well. And as you mentioned, uh, companies such as Lufthansa, uh, those consultancy companies, they all have their, their hubs here or their labs, as the laboratories, as they call it. And um, it's not exactly the same thing, because when you have uh, yeah, a big corporation um, which is backing you, it might, it might sound interesting because they're financing you, but I know for a fact that it's sometimes also different because you are actually labeled as a startup, but you have to deal with all those slow and yeah, less flexible, less agile um, processes of, um, of the corporation who's basically backing you. Mm. Um, and uh, well, you, you, sorry, yes, Vlad. No, I will just say um, a tiny comment, maybe a... I agree with the second part, but disagree a bit with the with the first part because uh, I think it's important to, or let's say, in my opinion, not every single startup is innovating, even if they are huge. Like we have also big players in the in the Berlin startup scene that they they are great as a company and they are amazing. They are doing a huge revenue that it's also good for the um, for Berlin because uh, you know Berlin without a startup would be more like a, a problem, but um, yeah, I, I would uh, really let clear that not every startup is innovating. So you have startups that, they, I don't know, they are maybe selling furniture and they are valuating, I don't know how many billions. 
And yeah, they are innovate, innovating in the way they are selling. But at the end, you have the same bet or the same uh, coach at home. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, product is so the, easy. Yeah. I, I think I didn't say that basically all of them are all innovative or innovators. I said but, that. Um, I, I said that. I'll, I'll own <laughs> the error. It's okay. Yeah. But please, please continue, Fritz. I just um, need an excuse to say my opinion. You, don't, just, you yeah. don't even need an excuse, Vlad. You just say it. That's just the way you are. Okay. But we love you for it. So it's all good. But sorry, please, Fritz. If, if they sell furniture, for example, then they probably have somehow disrupted the furniture market uh, by creating a platform where you can compare IKEA with Hefner with all those big uh, furniture companies. Um, therefore, it's this. I would also see that as an invention in a, in a certain way or as a way of um, bringing a market to the next level. Yeah, but... You just mentioned one of the, let's say, biggest words in the startup scene, and it's about the disruption. So uh, at some point, it's like, let's let's uh, try to define the word. It's like not every single innovation is automatically uh, disrupting something. You know, the, the, the best example I have ever uh, seen was about the music industry. Like, um, as, as uh, you know, 67 years ago, we had these uh, vinyls and, and yeah, long plays. And it was like, okay, they, they were um, very big, so it was difficult to transport it. They were like, you can only listen like a three to five uh, songs per side and so on. And then at some point, we got CDs that they were like, you, you can put a, a yeah, in some uh, aspect, like what's better quality of audio, you can also put a larger amount of data inside and so on. And that was a very huge innovation that wasn't disruptive because at the end, you still need to press, you still need to have a quite lot of uh, big uh, companies selling the records. Uh, you have to, um, it was very expensive for an artist to, to produce an album and so on. If we want to talk about disruption, then we have to talk about Spotify. And then where, where you can just uh, pay like, a, I don't know, 10 euro in a month and you have access to the whole music in the world. So. I would say there's a lot of startups for sure. They are, they are uh, innovating, but they are turning from the vinyl into the CD, but they are not doing Spotify stuff. But isn't that the success of Apple, for example? You know, forgive me if anybody is a huge Apple fan, but essentially didn't Apple make their money by taking established products and simply improving upon the design? It wasn't that their business model? Yeah, but you can, but it's one thing is innovation. Another thing is making money. Mm. Okay, that's a fair point. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do both. Uh, I'm not going to do either. But uh, uh, I mean, you know, um, if there's a choice that can be made. Um, but you both mentioned, okay, we talked about Berlin, um, but you both mentioned different factors which could be perhaps important to people who want to look at a company and um, apply for the company. Uh, so Vlad, you mentioned the founders. Um, and Fritz, you also went into, uh, like, for example, Berlin being a cool place, or at least 15 years ago, being a cool place, the cheap place to live in and so on, as also being an attractive um, thing, I suppose, for people to consider um, when making uh, job applications. Um, do you think that these are the main issues that people should look at? Because, you know, working at a startup, if I'm not mistaken, it's hard work. And you don't always get paid the highest wage, do you? 
Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, if I shall give an advice what to consider before applying for, for jobs and startups, I would basically do my own due diligence. I would check, first of all, the founders. Who are the founders? What have they done before? Check their resumes. Who are the investors? Are there big names uh, investors? Are there several smaller ones? Does it fit? Do they make any revenue yet? Um, how many people are working there? Um, those are all things, of course, the culture, um, which I would have a very close look at before I would apply there. Um, no, I forgot what I wanted to say. Um, what uh, to consider as well before um, um, applying there was um, that yeah yeah you have to you have to be aware of the fact that you will get possibly a rather low salary. You have to work, I think, definitely more than uh, eight hours a day. It's rather like ten to twelve hours a day. Vacation is a thing which is sometimes not very well perceived in startups because yeah uh, they all have to look on on their budget and on their payroll so they rather want people who are fresh from university who um yeah are eager to work a lot and if you're fine with that then i think it's a great place where you can definitely learn a lot you are not um in a in a specific department such as in a big corporation but it's rather that you um you can gain experience in all sorts of fields. So depending on what the needs of that specific startup uh, startup is, um, they can place you in the business development section when they see, oh, he's really good in business development. Maybe he's more of a salesperson. So you will be shifted to the sales department and so on and marketing. And yeah, it's a great place to gain a lot of experience in a wide range of, um, of topics. Mm. Uh, Vlad, you, you got anything to add to that or... Uh, maybe the only thing uh, would be um, if it's about so roughly 500 startups are founded in in Berlin every year, and normally you only hear about 10 to 20 startups that are very strong present in the in the press, social media, and so on. So I would say also take the time and look for the other 400 and something that are not that well known. And then you will also see a lot of uh, nice opportunities. So, um, and yeah, and the, the, the advice and or the best advice that I always say uh, became from Fritz, actually, as I was applying, yeah, say, follow your feelings. And if you got a good feeling while talking to the, um, to the next uh, or to the coming manager or to the recruiter and so on, then do it because um, at the end, you don't know what's going to happen. You, you also have to be aware that the, um, startup is a risky thing even if you have the best investors and and so on there's always a possibility that uh, things don't really work out in the end so um, yeah my two advice uh, follow your feelings and and the the second one is uh, not only look for the for the famous ones mm, okay yeah. um yeah sorry Fritz, and maybe you... one one maybe one last point and uh, which you just mentioned Vladi, is uh, yeah be aware of the risk working in a startup so it's yeah. perfectly normal that you start your job there and before your notice period um, your probation period sorry has ended the startup doesn't exist anymore so if you're happy if you're fine with that kind of risk um, when you're young i think then it's a problem and especially in that startup world and the vc network you will quickly find a new job that i think you shouldn't be afraid of that risk mm. um 
And uh, Vlad, if we look at it also from the perspective of a diversified workforce, do you think startups give more opportunities to people from different backgrounds, uh, different gender groups? Uh, do you think it's a better, easier, more uh, welcoming workplace than traditional companies? Well, that's a difficult one because um, I have only experience working for startups, so I have no like a, um, I can compare with the other companies. But I would say, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's that's more Berlin that stopped us. And I also would say also in big corporations nowadays, they are also putting quite a lot of effort in diversity and also in in hiring without the bias and, and so on. So I would say nowadays you will find all these kinds of diversity and so on almost, almost everywhere in Germany, at least, or in Berlin. Hmm. Uh, Fritz, I mean, you've worked in uh, companies that are not necessarily startups. H how did you did you rate them from that perspective, from the uh, sort of you know um, the opportunities that they gave um, uh, less typical um, groups, shall we say, within society? Um, to be honest. Diversity was way lower where I used to work, but that had also something to do with the fact that every single employee who intended to work there needed um, to be uh, fluent in German. And um, this is a big advantage of the startups because they usually company language is English. And they, as long as you speak English, depends, of course, on which team you're working in, um, that's okay. And you don't need to you don't necessarily need to be able to speak German. Um, this was one criteria which probably um, worked against diversity in that corporation I used to work for. Nevertheless, I had I didn't have the feeling that they are aiming for creating a, a bigger diversity by hiring people um, from different um, origins or different cultural backgrounds. Um, it was a pretty streamlined, um, yeah, company in that sense. So. Um, only uh, also also the word diversity i've never i was working almost four years for them and never had i listened or had i heard the word diversity mm. yeah which in itself is quite interesting isn't it um I, I i've done i've read quite a lot of books recently um especially in light of the the black lives matter movement but also before uh, you know it's quite clear um, that society has always had uh, certain elements within um, which were perhaps uh, before not quite as vocal um, as they became post-2016. Um, and that's something that we could perhaps analyze on, on a different occasion. Um, but one of the books that I, I, I read most recently was by Kenya Hunt uh, in called Girl. Uh, and, and I think it's a fascinating read. Um, and obviously it talks about um, uh, not only uh, gender equality on the basis of the subject matter girl, but especially a girl from African origin. Um, and she, she talks about one particular episode where she um, tried to find a flat on um, a certain platform and every single home that she tried to uh, basically book based upon their availability, because they were all available, um, she was rejected. 
And and so my my question is, do you feel, for example, that application processes should include photographs? Difficult question. I mean, in the United States, there. Can you hear me, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, in the United States, for example, um, there are no pictures on the CVs, whereas in Europe, it's sometimes, or in Germany, most of the time, people put a, um, a picture of themselves on the CV. For me, as a recruiter, it's uh, I very much appreciate someone putting a picture on his CV because I've seen resumes where someone took a uh, took a selfie while he was sitting on the loo, and this, uh, in return, told told me a lot about that person. I mean, nevertheless, I still picked up the phone and gave and gave it a try. Um, uh, was, was, Vla was Vlad one of those? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Okay, I don't like it. I don't like it at all, to be honest. <laughs> okay. That would what, what don't you like? Pic pictures on the CV? Yeah, I can um, tell you, as I was applying for my last um, position, that was, uh, I don't know, some months ago, I was in a in a process for a company, and before I joined the last step with the head of X, she asked me for a picture, and then I withdrew from the process without uh, giving. I just said it's okay. I can't believe that you're asking me actively for a picture. So uh, yeah, have a good one, and I withdrew from the process. Oh, you withdrew. So you saw yeah. you were you were chucked off. Okay, all right. Wow. So you have very strong feelings about this, Vlad. Um, Fritz. Fritz, I think with you, um, it's not an issue. Yeah, well, you, uh, yeah, sorry, go on. Because if Fritz, uh, um, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm right, but uh, I think in, in at least in Germany, if I can, if I send the picture as a candidate, it's fine. But you can't, as a recruiter, ask actively for pictures, right? Uh, no, okay. I mean, if, if you're if you're a good recruiter, you should do your job properly, and you Google that person, then you eventually find a picture, anyways. And if you don't, then yeah. Please wait for please wait for the one on uh, for the on-site interview and then you see how that person looks like. Uh, yeah, but so it's actually okay, is it? but it's actually illegal to ask actively for pictures, right? I have no idea whether that's legal or not, but I would never do it. Yeah, also mm. true. Okay, it's a matter of of, of education, uh, if you ask me. All right, so basically it's okay then for prospective employers or recruiters to basically trawl through social media to try to find um, some background info about people. That, that's that's oh, acceptable, is it? I mean, I've, nobody forbids you to do that. And if you need more information, if the resume is not uh, that, um, if, if it's very brief and you want some more background information, of course you do some research, especially when it's about like important positions or um, positions which are qu which are quite expensive with a higher salary. Then uh, I mean, I would expect my recruiter, if I was a founder, to do some proper research in order to only present yeah. me the most uh, the best fitting and the most suitable candidates. Mm. Okay, and, and what what if you they were somebody like myself who doesn't really have any social media presence? Uh, would you would you like start having um, with alarm bells start ringing? Not at all. Uh, quite the opposite. I actually I'm from an older generation who basically grew up without internet and all that stuff and social media. That's also true. So I I feel a lot of sympathy for people who don't appear in social media at all. Okay. But you do, Fritz, don't you? You've got some real popular hardcore clubbing uh, web pages, don't you, on your social media profile? 
which one? I mean, I don't have Instagram. Yeah, I don't have Twitter. I... Yeah. Same here. <laughs> so, no, but it also depends on, on the position because if you are looking for a senior recruiter or something like this, something that is uh, recruitment related, I would expect that this person already has a LinkedIn account. Otherwise, it would be, I don't know, a bit difficult because, uh, mm. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but do you remember, Fritz, you, you guys back in the old company, I remember you guys told me about uh, recruiters on websites like LinkedIn or um, uh, what's it? Are they Xing and so on or Crossing or whatever they want to call themselves? I don't know. Um, yeah, Xing. But, yeah, but the, the, the photos of the pro, the main profile photos of some of the recruiters was quite strange. Do you remember there were some American ones where there were uh, people wearing like revealing clothing and um, yeah, beach wear? Do, do you remember this? Um, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I mean, surely, I mean, would you send the person um, who, who as a recruiter dressed in a bikini? Would you do that? <laughs> Well, it depends on the position, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what, what position are we talking about here, Fritz? What, what, what was it a trick question, Zach? No, sorry, it wasn't. But I, I should have realized that you would turn it into a trick question. Um, but there you go. Okay. I, I would, for example, if that, let's assume there's a girl in a bikini and she applies for a marketing position. Um, then I'd probably even feel more attracted to her as a candidate because she know she knows how to attract attention and how to present herself and she's probably very well uh, very well educated with instagram and what we might need in that current position and would it work the same if you had like a gym shot of a guy with a, an oiled chest shall we say for example um who like lifts uh, 150 kilos with his little finger would that, yeah. Would that also, yeah, he might be he might be a perfect fit for sales. I mean, in sales, uh, the most uh, the weirdest person work in sales. I used to work in sales myself, so I know what I'm oh, talking God, about. Oh God, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And salespeople, yeah, and salespeople are always a little special, and therefore you need to be um, a bit more forgiving when you see pictures of those um, applicants or candidates. Is that why you started boxing? This is uh, why I need boxing to balance out my people and culture work because um, yeah, my employees uh, make me so angry every day and I need to get rid of them. <laughs> Are you talking about me? Um, for example, uh, now that you've left, I mean, I don't need to go boxing anymore, but usually I love bullying my employees. That's actually one of the reasons why I started working in people and culture because I can do so without being... Uh, um, uh, yeah, having having to worry about anything as they if they want to complain they have to complain to me um, no <laughs> just joking but um, yeah I think in the end it always depends for which team you're hiring and therefore you need uh, to be quite open-minded yeah um, and okay otherwise uh, Vlad I mean you haven't had any uh, so in Berlin any, any negative um, experiences have you with in a, in a professional environment I mean perhaps you may have had uh, you know other kinds of negative experiences with regards to um, I don't know racial profiling or racism in itself but um, otherwise well not not a, a, in terms of gender or racism a, but the also, the last time I was applying for for my for the position that I have now, I was like um, 
I wasn't rejected, but I applied for a company and all the, the process went very well. And then I never heard again from from yeah from those guys. And then after two months, they call me again and say, Xavier, yeah, would are you still interested? And I was asking, so yeah, maybe, but they, what happened the last two months? And then they told me actually they were looking for a woman. And that's also kind of discrimination. I mean, not kind of discrimination, it's actually discrimination 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, do you think it's a bit naive of them to actually come out and tell you that that's what, that was the case? Yeah, it was very naive. At the end, you know me, I try to be a good person and try to give a, yeah, let's say the value of the a, how, hon how honest they, they were and so on. But that's also a thing that they, as a recruiter, you have to be very careful in every single word that you tell to candidates. But in because in the case that I would be very angry, I could sue them. It's that really um, illegal to to um, yeah to do any kind of discriminations, and and the the law doesn't make any kind of difference in if if it's about gender or about the uh, race or about uh, something different, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Fritz, yeah, well, person, mm, yeah. Go on, please. No, I just wanted to say that that that, that person must have been quite inexperienced because this is one of the basics you learn. Also, when you publish a job description, you always need to check every single bullet point whether you don't contradict the so-called um, Allgemeines Gleichbehandlungsgesetz, uh, which is basically that law which forbids you to discriminate certain uh, any applicant for his. I know religious belief for its gender, etc. No. Can you say that word in German again, please? Allgemeines Gleichbehandlungsgesetz. That's AGG. one word, guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. That's one But, word. It took you three sentences to say that in English. <laughs> But um, if I may contribute one last point to the topic diversity, I remember, Vladi, you probably do as well. We had uh, an employee. She was from the Valley. And uh, at one point, she complained about us um, lacking diversity. I mean, at that time, we were roughly about 150, 160 employees. And we had employees from 24 or 25 different nations. So I'd call it rather diverse. We had 40% women, 60% men, um, a lot of, um, I don't know, queer and gay guy, gay people who could yeah, live their sexual orientation freely in our company culture. And nevertheless, she complained that we are lacking of um, people of color. I don't know whether that's the political uh, correct theme. Um, and... I always, I mean, I, I, of course I didn't tell her at that time, but I, I have a problem with that kind of approach. Yeah, in, the I, end, in, in the end, if I may finish that sentence, Vladi, afterwards you're happy, um, you're welcome to, to rip me <laughs> apart on my argument. But in the end, I don't care what color any, a person is. I don't care where, where that person is from. I don't care which languages that speak. If that person is suitable for a certain position, then I'm hiring that, that, that person. And if there is a person who has a darker skin, who is not as good as the person I intend to hire, then sorry, bad luck. I would never hire someone. I mean, that's also kind of a discrimination for the right. most suitable candidates. So this is why I'm a bit allergic to those uh, diversity discussions uh, when people yeah. are asking for more diversity in a certain uh, company. It's it's about the best fitting 
um, candidate. That's it. The person who can do the job the best, that's the one I want to hire. Vlad, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, how would you designate your own um, ethnic origin? How, how would you um, yeah, categorize yourself if you had to use the word category at all? My origins? Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you where I am from, but uh, or where I was. So this term, people of color, would you consider yourself to be a person of color? Would you say, would you use that? Would you accept that as a term? I'm not um, criticizing your use of that term, by the way, Fritz. I think lots of people use um, the term people of color. Um, Vlad, had you, would you would you say that 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 would also represent you? No. I'm no. colorful, but no, no, I'm not really a people of color. <laughs> okay, all right, but you do have, um, is, it, is it Caribbean origins, African origins? How, how would you, um, you, I think you told us once. Uh, well, yeah, because, you know, actually my family is from a very tiny island in, in the Caribbean Sea, and, and there was a, in, an island, yeah, three, four hundred years ago, there were a the lot of uh, British people, um, and slaves from Africa, and at some point they start to to build families. So I'm the the result of a mix of uh, I would say so African British, but I have no uh, connection to Africa or to a uh, um, the UK. Mm-hmm. So because that was uh, the 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 story of my family many centuries ago. Well, not many, but uh, three or four centuries ago. Sure. And and now I'm speaking yeah Spanish and and so on. So. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. So you know, it, it goes far, far back in your family ancestry. But if somebody was to say to you, okay, you know, what's your ethnic origin? You say, oh, yeah, I'm Colombian, guys. That's where I was born. That's where my family is from. That's basically me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Fritz, with regards to this term, you know, people of color, I do believe, politically speaking. Uh, people of color is the uh, is the term that we use, but not just to refer to black people. It's also used to refer to Asian people um, and people of um, from India, uh, Pakistan, and so on. Um, how about, and how about, but uh, how would about, would you say about, you're? Well, yeah, go on. How about what? How about how about me as a so-called white person? I am I also not also a people of color? No, no, but a person <laughs> of color in that sense. But wait, wait, wait. Yeah. That's that's quite interesting what you were saying, Zach, because actually at the end, it's like people of color is uh, every single non-European. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like I don't like it, to be honest. Um, I, I don't like the term people of color because that would suggest to me that the default color is white, which is what I think Fritz is alluding to. Yeah. Um, and, and anybody who is not white. Oh, that's people of color. Um, so I, I disagree with that use of the, the use of people of color, but I've heard lots of politicians, journalists, writers, they they use this term people of color. There's also another term in the, in the UK which is used. It's um, um, BAME, B-A-M-E, um, black, uh, black, Asian, multi-ethnic. Um, wow. And a lot of people really dislike this as well. Um, yeah, but this... And, yeah. No, I, I just say want to say this discussion took a, I mean not our discussion but the all discrimination diversity and so on took a very yeah a 
very bad direction. And then many years ago, also I'm not talking not only about this uh, modern type of uh, diversity and so on, because uh, as you know, I'm not telling you nothing, anything new. The, the human race is actually only one. So talking about racism is uh, per se wrong, because actually we only have one race. And then about uh, being, uh, yeah, calling people, for example, in Colombia, it's okay to call um, a black people black, to call a black people a negro. And it's not something that is uh, disrespectful or something like this, because in the same way, I was always uh, called during my school a uh, mono, that is a... Um, Yeah, a word to to uh, specify people that are a uh, blonde or let's say more um, yeah not uh, not that dark. And mm. for us, uh, yeah. So why if if I'm a white person, why should be offended because someone is calling me white? And the same with the uh, black people. So if I start like a I don't know finding new uh, I don't know how you would call it like a euphemism just to to not to mention the real thing then I have a problem with it. No, no, black is, is, a, is, is a political uh, color is, is acceptable. And, and in fact, if you think about, you know, the movement Black Lives Matter, you know, black is the political color which is accepted everywhere. White is also the political color which is accepted everywhere. I think a part of the problem lies, therefore, is that you, you tend to run out of colors to be able to uh, introduce other Um, you know, ethnic uh, cultures. And so you know, maybe this may be one of the reasons why people want to use you know, terms such as people of color or so on. I, I myself don't see the point. And, uh, you know, I'm quite, um, I agree with you definitely, Vlad, in that you know, we are one, one human race. Unfortunately, there are lots of people Um, and, you know, the majority of them tend to be white, uh, where they believe there is some kind of inherent supremacy within that particular uh, color, should we say, that uh, their skin has. Um, even though there is absolutely zero truth or validity in that particular opinion. Um, and it's unfortunate. So, you know, I would love to be in, to live in, you know, in a world where everybody thought the exact same way that you guys did. Now, unfortunately, You know, you know, the case that is taking place right now. So this you know, is Derek Chauvin, his trial um, at the moment is taking place. Um, you know, the police officer or the former officer who killed um, George Floyd. Uh, that's currently underway. You know, institutionalized forms of discrimination do exist. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's going to take a yeah. long time to get rid of it. Yeah, it's institutionalized racism. I mean, we are talking about blacklists. We're talking about black labor. We are. Um, this is all institutionalized racism, but we are so used to that that we don't really realize that. But I mean, in the end, sometimes I ask myself, why do we uh, basically need to stereotype um, certain people or people at all? Why is the race? Why does it play a role? Or the skin? Same for me. It's a bit of a. It's not a pointless discussion, but I'm tired of, of that discussion. Yeah. Similar religious discussions in the end whether i mean whether you believe in a higher power whether that higher power is called muhammad whether it's the buddha whether it's whatever it's in the end all the same and um, i would love people to realize that in order to reduce conflicts uh, because of their belief mm. have you ever heard about the concept it's called aporophobia no that's fear of the, something but what is it what yeah you, what that, is it? that 
eh, aporofobia es um, este the, um, the fear of poverty. And actually, if you analyze all this kind of uh, so-called discrimination, it's about poverty. You know, you normally or no one has a problem uh, about the uh, black rich people or about the uh, rich Arabs or about the uh, rich uh, Africans. You know, we are at the end where it's it's about money and power. And I assume that say, we we forgot that and now we are pulled trying to to um, talk about black people just to forget the real problem. Now this this is a, a concept of a Spanish philosopher. It was actually created in in the in 90s, and unfortunately the the, the concept is not that well. Um, it's not that now, not that uh, popular. But for me, it's the best explanation for every single problem. It's like when when you talk about maybe uh, Turkish people in in Berlin that they felt discriminated, or or in Germany. Yeah, but what about the guy from BioNTech, the guy who who discovered this uh, vaccine for uh, COVID-19? So I, I'm sure he doesn't have any experience with racism because at the end it's about how much money and how much uh, power do you have? And it's not about the, the color of your skin or, or your uh, origins. So you think it's classism is, is the main element here that should be discussed and not race? It's about uh, power and money, but because even class, you also have a... a people without uh, not that high amount of money, but they are part of the upper class and they, they also um, feel this kind of uh, discrimination just because they have um, less money, let's say. Mm-hmm. And that's also because, uh, yeah, money is a thing that they, if in disregard of our opinion, money is uh, something that defines also your um, success. If you see in a company, People that are really successful get more money than people that they are not that successful. Like, uh, uh, yeah, better positions are better pay and so on. So it's a change that I know it's not that I have something uh, against it, but uh, at the end it's about the money and not about the where you are from. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I, I, I tend to see when we when I do these uh, podcasts, I tend to think that about an hour more or less is the, the sort of cutoff point because people you know seem to be able to concentrate for a certain period of time before they sort of switch off. So uh, we're already coming up to that point. but you know what, what I'd like to also set in motion is that we you know we kind of sort of come together occasionally you know if you know as frequently as you guys are available, obviously. Um, and, and talk about different elements of mainly the startup scene, um, but also you know startups exist within uh, within society, and so therefore these other societal interests also formulate a part of uh, the startup scene. So you know I also want there to be a bit of sort of crossover with some of the topical issues of the day. Um, but you know some of the points that we made um, you know earlier on, which with regards to the startup scene. Um, and job applications and so on. Fritz and Vlad, I'd also like to talk to you in, in, in a, perhaps another or a future episode about uh, the kind of terminology that is used in um, writing up job ads. You know, what makes the job ad exciting? What um, encourages people to apply? Are there specific words that we people should be um, wary of? You know, and so on. Um, if this is a if this is like a kind of topic that we can discuss next time, is do you have thoughts on that that we can perhaps um, uh, talk about for the you know, next opportunity that we have? I'd absolutely love that. I mean, I also just had a look on on the watch and I realized. 
that um, yeah, we covered quite a, a few topics, but there's still a lot um, which we haven't talked about. So I think there needs to be at least a, a part two of this podcast. Um, I will also try to prepare myself uh, better than I um, did for this podcast. Same here. Um, it's my very, it's my very first podcast, so I. No, I wanted this, Ben. This brilliant. This is what I wanted. I just wanted you guys to come and speak raw. Yeah, I wanted. Okay. I wanted it to be a conversation. If we, because you know, I know what you guys are like. You, you know, you, you're very intelligent, and so therefore your responses, your natural responses, are very much on point. Um, but also, we have this. You know, we're we're very close in, in our friendship and uh, affection for one another. So when we sort of jump off on a tangent, you know, we can follow that up quite quickly with very interesting yeah. conversations. So, th you know, th that's basically what I wanted. And that little bit at the end, I love it. Um, and, you know, I, it was really important for me that we could also cover those kinds of topics. But, yeah, Fritz, I think not only a part two, you know, I, I, I'd love to be able to develop an entire series uh, to this where we could sort of open up. Um, a, bit, a bit of the mystery that is the startup scene to those people who are a bit older. Um, yeah, and for whom... Yeah. You know, such as me, such as me. <laughs> yeah, 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 but you're like right you in guys, there, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. Me, definitely. But you guys are in there. You are Mr. Startup, as far as I'm concerned, Fritz. Uh, and and, uh, and Vlad, Vlad definitely is, um, yeah, I don't know, you're, you're pushing, pushing some kind of um, yeah, lordship uh, position, especially when you work for a company which has a product that I could, I don't even understand what they do. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's about as, you know, new age startup as you can get, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it was also, would be also very nice if we can talk next time or in a, I don't know, maybe in a third time more about organizational development because to be honest i'm not recruiting anymore and i only did that for some month while working with the fritz who is actually mm. yeah a very nice recruiter but that's not the the case in uh, with me so um actually recruitment is the part i'd like the least from hr so that's if cool. we if that's we could brilliant. if we could have a, yeah and I, i'm sure you're going to love it because at the end is how to organize better a society so it's a lot of a sociology and and so on but applied a, within a company definitely i love that sounds super interesting and i have the feeling i can learn a lot from you Vladi. <laughs> <laughs> you will see wonderful all right guys now this is the opportunity where you can all run off and grab your whiskey bottle um, and let it not be said that we have a false title in our podcast. So thank you very much, both of you. Um, yeah, what can I say? I, I miss you guys both. And I really look forward to the day where we could actually meet up and uh, have this chat in person. I can't wait, uh, dear chaps. I mean, uh, I really, it's, I miss touching people. This, um, you know, bloody, and you also. Oh, like, oh, I'm, a very, I'm a very touchy person. No, I really need this, uh, this, in, this physical interaction with with people. I don't know why, but yeah. I, I just need it, and I'm, I really miss that. So I can't wait to have like a good catch up with you guys in person. But I also can't wait to stand next to a hundred other sweaty people in the club and uh, go for a little dance or something. Okay, I'll, I'll remember to wear my armor when we meet. Fritz. <laughs> I'm sure Fritz is missing touching people. So just for the audience, he was my manager. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I thought. Bloody, bloody! Do you ever feel molested by my by my uh, touching? 
No, no, no. So, uh, Zach, that was really nice to, uh, yeah, to talk to you today, to have this discussion with Chris. I really enjoyed everything and, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, yeah, having a whiskey with you guys in person. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll try so not much. to edit too much. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Zach, for making this happen. And I still feel honored that you invited us. Oh, man, it's, it's a pleasure for me that you guys came. So, yes, definitely numbers two, three and four are already, already in the pipeline. So, um, yeah, guys, it was great having you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take good care. Okay.